Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... Lisa, I don't need this. I swear to God, I do not need this right now, okay? I got a judge that's just aching to throw me in jail. An idiot who wants to fight me for $200. Slaughtered pigs. Giant loud whistles. I ain't slept in five days. I got no money. A dress code problem. And a little murder case, which in the balance holds the lives of two innocent kids. Not to mention your biological clock, my career, your life, our marriage, and let me see, what else can we pile on? Is there any more shit we could pile on to the top of the outcome of this case? Is it possible? In the annals of the history of jurisprudence, there are few cases more renowned than the Alabama State Court case of People versus Gambini et al. Uh, I I'm, of course, a litigator by trade, so I am very, very excited to be going back to talk about this important moment in our country's judicial history. And so uh, uh, with me to do that, of course, I'm not doing it alone. I have not one but two Utes here with me to talk about my cousin, Vinny. Um, You know her from previous episodes. She is uh, my producer and uh, the best gal I know, My, my Mona Lisa. (laughs) <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast, Amy Lee. Thank you. And how's the Chinese food here? Uh, for, not great <laughs> since I make it. Um, <laughs> and uh, the other voice you're hearing is uh, our, our returning guest. Uh, you know him from many of our past episodes now, including The Golden Girls and uh, Masters of the Universe and Adventures in Babysitting. Welcome back to the podcast, Brian Merlo. Hello, and my biological clock is ticking right now. <laughs> I can hear it from here. Um, can you hear it from yeah. there? <laughs> uh, so uh, as you can tell, all of us have a, a fondness from, for this movie. Uh, Ryan, this one was your pick. So tell us why uh, you wanted to do My Cousin Vinny. What, what are you nostalgic for about this one? Well, I feel like the fish-out-of-water, quote-unquote, um, scenario is used so many times, right? I mean, we can in that in that era. You have Beverly Hills Cop, you have City Slickers, you have um, you know just uh, what Back to the Future. You got a bunch of those um, movies where you just have a fish out of water. And what I love about my cousin Vinny is it is a fish out of water comedy. However. The comedy doesn't come from the actual scenario. The comedy in this movie comes from the characters and the acting. And I think that that's intrinsic to this genre. And I think that that has pretty much made this, what, 25 years? What are we, 30 years out? It remains a, you know, mainstay in so many people's top 10 lists. Yeah, this is definitely a movie that, like, I remember, uh, you know, when you're watching TV on, like, TNT or TBS, like, they're going to rerun this one a thousand times. And it's the kind of movie that, yeah, when you happen upon it, you're just going to watch it all the way to the end every time. Um, Amy, I'll pose the same question to you. Do you have any nostalgic memories of uh, watching My Cousin Vinny? I do. I remember this being a movie that was popular in my family. 
Um, my cousins and I loved it. We would quote scenes from it together. Um, so it was just like this family love movie. Um, I don't yeah. have memories seeing it in the theater. I don't like, I, I just don't have that. I don't know that I did. Um, but it's remained a movie for me that has, it's like one of those movies that all other comedy movies are stacked up against because it just hits right. so many of the different, like right. the acting, right. the storyline, all of the things it ticks for me. And I think like the main tick that it ticks is like the, like the person you're unexpected comes in and like saves the day. So I always love stories like that. Um, yeah. I mean the last like 20 minutes of that movie are like cinematic gold in my opinion, like, you know, comedic cinematic, a comedic gold and Marissa Tomei, like she does. Well, we probably could get to this later, but you know, she won the Oscar and for I think best supporting actress, mm-hmm. and that's not common in co- co- comedies. You know, usually co- comedies don't win acting, t- but she deserved it like no other. I mean, that was a perf- that was a performance that came that c- could be studied at Juilliard, in my opinion. <laughs> I think it's just amazing. She did such a great job. Yeah, and there was a backlash against that at the time. I remember people sort of going like, "Really? She gets the Oscar for this super broad character?" Um, but going back to watch it, it's like it is, you know, she absolutely deserves it. Because her and the whole ensemble, um, who are all excellent to a man or woman, um, there is so much of the, like, the fine-tuning that goes into, like, the machine that is comedy. Like, every little acting choice from every character, like, no matter how subtle it is or how broad it is, it's that thing where it's like, it has to be perfectly timed and perfectly executed like every little gesture and facial movement and stuff. And everyone in this movie is firing on all cylinders that way, especially her. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. yeah, the body humor, like too, from her, the f- like her facial expressions mm-hmm. too. I mean, it's like, Oh my God. I mean, you know that, when I said the biological clock, yeah. that, that whole monologue, her face and you just felt like, her like a woman whose biological clock is ticking wants to get married and wants to have a child. I mean, it was like at just her, the, her face is just she, the subtleties of her acting performance. I think are what get what made it so memorable. Yeah, and she she is a wonderful actress in this. As far as my nostalgic memories of it go, I definitely yeah, I didn't see it in the theater. But I remember watching a lot of legal dramas and, and with rare exception, comedies in the 90s. Like in my teens, I remember watching a ton of Law and Order and like The Practice. And then when it came to movies, it was stuff like this or Inherit the Wind or A Few Good Men. Like there's so many great courtroom stories. I can't mostly can't watch any of them now that I'm an actual practicing attorney because Uh my suspension of belief is constantly getting kicked in the nuts when I watch it and it makes it impossible. But this one is if you go and like read like things that are written and said about it by attorneys and judges. um, Yes, I read the same thing. Yeah, I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, they all cite this as like this is actually pretty good. Um, you know, it far, because a big part of it, as the judge in it points out, like it's a lot of it's about procedure and the accuracy. Yeah, I read the same. I read the same things about how this held up, like as far as 
you know, a legal court, you know, the, the legalities and the, the motions and all that type of stuff were very, 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 were not, you know, didn't go too far from the truth. Were pretty, pretty accurate. Yeah, they take a few shortcuts here and there, but, yeah. but in service of the plot and stuff. But by and large, most of it plays out fairly well. Um, and holds up. And uh, my favorite quote about it, and I forget which of the you know many you know legal luminaries they quoted for this. Um, I remember seeing like Judge Posner and Merrick Garland, uh, na- their names in there, and a few others. But there was one that person that said, "Vinny is really bad at the things they teach you in law school, but he's excellent at the things that they don't teach you in law school." And like reading that, that. Yeah, which read, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe like the fact that he didn't pass the bar, like it took him what, like six, five or six times to pass the bar. Yeah. Like you still have to believe that he's like a smart human that like, I, I had trouble like kind of marrying, like how is he so good at this? And yet like, wasn't able to pass the bar. Maybe it's like, cause he wasn't good at the things that they were Teaching? He didn't know any of the like, yeah, a lot of the legal details. But what he has is this grade A bullshit detector, mm-hmm. uh, which of course is important to have as an attorney. And he also knew how to kind of like rope a dope a witness in you know leading them down a path and then proving that they didn't know what they were talking about. It's a, it's what Ralph Macchio says about him, right? Our family, like we we know how to argue. Yeah, the magic trick, right? Or something like right, right. right. That was it. Right. Yeah, but we'll get to that right. scene. But like. All of the stuff he does, it's like, yeah, this is like a master class in cross-examination. Like, all of those things he does really, really well. And that's what makes the movie so delightful is, you know, you want him to succeed despite the lack of being book smart. In fact, the thing you pointed out about he he failed the bar six times, um, that was the inspiration for the movie. The, the screenwriter met a, met a guy or heard about a guy who had failed the bar 13 times and then passed it. And he was wondering to himself, what would, what would it be like to be that guy's client? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, but and, and another thing that I love about his character is he is so real. He has those insecurities. He has, I mean, you know, I would think when you're going for your first case, oh my gosh, and especially it being a murder case, you're going to have so many insecurities. I can't even imagine... You know, especially not passing the bar and having a hard time. But at the end of the day, he has such a good heart. And I feel like there's not a, there's not an antagonist in this movie. Everyone is kind of a... I mean, other than the people who shot the guys at the sack of suds. Who we never meet. You don't really... <laughs> well, who you never meet, right. So it it's really... That's another cool thing about the movie is there's really no... pro. You know, there's really no antagonist. It's all all positive people that are real and have real, like, you know, are jaded and, and but real, you know, and I love that. I love that part of it. Yeah, like in a lesser movie, the prosecutor would be playing dirty tricks and stuff, or the judge would be making these, right. you know, irrational rulings and things. And he makes a few, but not on, not on the evidence. <laughs> um, you know, th- right. Throwing him in jail over and over again was a bit much. But, the, but yeah, right. like there's no... Right. You're right. It's like it's so not mean spirited of a movie that like it's hard really not to isn't. love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. Yeah, I love. That's one of my. That's I, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie that there isn't that bad guy that's so pervasive in so many other movies. Um, even even the prosecutor, he's a cool. He's a pretty like really nice guy, you know. 
And he, I think, wanted to do... I mean, the second that he found out that, oh my gosh, I have the wrong person, I'm going to drop all charges. There's, uh, there's, no, there's no games going on here. So I liked that. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other thoughts in before we, we kind of get into the, the, the play-by-play? No, no, let's go for it. All right, so um, this movie is exceedingly efficient. It was something I noticed. Like, the screenwriting is incredibly tight, and the directing is tight, and they don't waste any time. Because this opening of the movie is like they're in the car, they go to buy something at the sack of suds, they get arrested, they're in jail. He makes this semi-confession that he doesn't mean to by talking Italian. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then he's like, oh. I shot the clerk? I, I shot the clerk? Yeah. yeah. I'll, yeah. Be, I'll be doing all the scenes yeah. from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There uh, we go. Uh, spoiler alert, she's got a very good Marissa Tomei. So we're going to hear that. Oh, I can't wait. Um... Yeah, and then uh, you know he makes the phone call to tell his mom he's in Wazoo, Alabama. And, Is that uh, a real city? I didn't look it up. Um, but uh, then, uh, yeah, that's it. They they call um, they call Vinny, and uh, he he's we see him in the car on his way. Like that, again, something like ten minutes. It's you know very very fast to get to the the predicament. Yes, yes, yes. yes. and I love that he like takes <laughs> the case right away. He calls them. He takes the kick. He calls yeah. them and he's there. Like, it just that's goes into the whole, like, heart of the movie. Like, he may not have the training. He doesn't care. He just jumps in the car. The, the fiance jumps in the car, too. And yeah. they're, they're, they show up, you know. Yeah. He's, days he, later. We don't even find out what they were doing before they, get, you know, they came. Like, I would think that there probably would be a version of this movie where we saw a scene back, you know, uh, in New York or New Jersey or whatever where they're hanging out. Oh, uh, been like a family dinner or something before they leave on this road trip to introduce all these characters. Oh, but yeah. no, they're just this is it. We're, I, we're I read that way. there was like some footage of like the mother because they they never explained like why the parents didn't come down to like support the case in the trial. And like they they scrapped it because it was just like too much backstory. And then they had like a, a version where like the mother had like a heart attack, and then that like and that's why she couldn't come down or something. But it was just. And that talks to more about, like, what you're talking to about, like, the pacing of the movie. Like, they don't waste any time. There's no scenes that, like, don't belong in the movie. And I think they did a really good editing job on it because there's nothing in there that doesn't belong in there. Yeah, it's almost weird because he's so supportive of, you know, Vinny is here to support his family. That's why he does it. You know, he obviously drops whatever he's doing and comes. It never comes up in the trial. Like, at no point does he ever say, this is my relative who's on trial for murder. Or the prosecutor doesn't say, well, of course he's biased. It's his cousin. Yeah, I mean, you know, really, never like, right. that's kind of a question mark. Like, is that, like, ethically, like, for your legal procedure? I'm happy to answer these questions, yeah. Like, sure. are you really allowed to represent, or would that be a conflict of interest? No, it's not a conflict of interest to, to represent uh, a relative. Okay. It would be a conflict. How about having, how about having your girlfriend, <laughs> like, be the, be the uh, expert on the witness stand? Would that be, I feel like that... Might be a little bit like more a, morally. They established that she was a good. They vote die or her, yeah. Yeah, they do. They, no, it's not a conflict of interest to have to do that. You are opening the door to being criticized on that front, but it does. It, it's not like something okay. you, you can't do it. Um, okay, you can, but of course, again, they're gonna. That is, there's a, a line of attack there for them to use. Yeah. But um, gotcha. It's so cute yeah. how like proud of her. Like I know we're gonna get to that scene like later. But he's like, oh, she's I mean, it's the best scene of the movie. So, yeah. your question. Like, he's yeah. so proud of it. It's so cute. Yeah. Oh, he loves it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a great part. The best part. Yeah. And they waste no time on the, like, 
um, fish out of water stuff, like you said, because they drive in in a town. They're listening to maybe the worst song I've ever heard. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> but it is awful. And they, you know, they get out of the car and what is this? You know, uh, you, what does she say? You stick, Some... you stick out like a sore thumb. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah you blend. Yeah, that's like one yeah. of her lines. Yeah. What? Nothing. You stick out like a sore thumb around here. <laughs> Nate, what about you? I fit in better than you. At least I'm wearing cowboy boots. Oh yeah, you blend. I bet the Chinese food here is terrible. I don't see anything out of whack under there. It feels like the wheels went out of balance right after we hit that mud. Nah, that's not it. I think you should put on a rack and take a look. What's wrong? What? What's the problem? Nothing. The car was shimmying on the highway a little bit. So you got mud in your tires. I got mud in my tires? Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. How do you get mud into the tires? Oh, no. You see, that's just a figure of speech. See, the mud gets around the inside of the wheel, throws the balance off. You ever hear that? Mud in the tires? No. She never heard it. She knows everything about cars. <laughs> now, see, down here, everybody gets stuck in the mud every now and then. Yep, yeah, we're famous for our mud. Famous for your mud? How's your Chinese food? Right. Well, I mean, they're the, like, stereotypical Italian New York family. They couldn't even, I, I don't think that they could be even, like, probably from Staten Island, probably. I don't know exactly where they come from, but I would bet they are from Staten Island, and it's just, like, that's the stereotypical, like, New Yorker going to the stereotypical Deep South, you know? I mean, it's, like, this huge... We're in the same country, but there's so many cultures in this country, and the difference between New York and, like, like rural Alabama, I mean, is is humongous. Yeah, I I agree with that. But what's nice about it is, again, the movie's not mean spirited. It's like they're they're incompatible with with the South, and the South is incompatible with them. But neither one is portrayed as like bad. The worst they kind of do is imply that like, oh well, maybe because they're in the rural South, they're not as sophisticated. But nothing in the movie actually bears that out, right? You know, the trial is fair yeah. from beginning to end. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And they get a fair, you know, they get a fair shake. So, yeah. Uh, and so then we have this scene in the prison where they mm-hmm. uh, they go to meet Vinny for the first time. Or uh, Ralph Macho's asleep, so um, the other guy meets Vinny. A uh, few points on this I just wanted to know, uh, note. It's a real prison, the set they're using, and the extras are real prisoners. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, I did not know um, that. Oh, yeah. interesting. I think the prison guards are also not actors. So they, yeah, they, yeah. they use what they had. <laughs> Very compliant uh, prisoners. Really? Are, and yeah. those those jumpsuits, they looked like real jumpsuits from prob- probably like a, like a prison farm. I've watched documentaries on like Alabama and Mississippi, how they have those prison farms. And those are kind of what they wear. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, I don't know, I think I had this in my notes too. It was very clean. Like, it's not like, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. look like, it doesn't look like Shawshank, you know? It's like, kind of like, all right, no. it's just, it's just no. a place. Well, it's still a movie. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's a yeah, real yeah, place. Yeah. locked in and filmed the same day. No, <laughs> or maybe yeah. they cleaned it up because yeah. they knew company was coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
It was a couple more years before Oz kind of got got up and running and showed us what the true prison life was <laughs> yeah. in you know in theatrical in a theatrical. Okay, way. I have a qu- another. This is probably a really stupid question, and I apologize for um, how naive I am. But like, is that where you go when you're going on court? You go to like an actual prison. You don't have like. A separate no, you should jail. go to jail. Like a, you usually yeah. go to isn't, jail. Isn't there a difference between like a prison and a jail? Absolutely. Yeah. No, jail yeah. is where you would be held pending your trial. Right. And if you were yeah. convicted, then prison is like, yeah. okay, now you're going here. So did they not address that? Or or maybe I, they did. It might be a separate, remember. for all I know, it's a separate wing within the same building. I, I You know, it doesn't really matter. I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm just asking for legal. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then we get this, uh, this scene between... Vinny and um, I can never remember his name, but the guy who's not Ralph Macchio. <laughs> well, let's call um, him yeah. not Ralph Macchio. <laughs> yeah, the, not Ralph Macchio. And it's like <laughs> this like vaudeville scene where he thinks Vinny is this new guy there to prison rape him. And yes, yes. <laughs> and so like all of it's all innuendo, and it goes on pretty long. Yeah, it's such a well written scene. I don't want to do this. Hey, I don't blame you. If I was in your situation, I'd want to get through this whole thing as quickly and with as little pain as possible. So, you know, let's try our best to make it a simple in-and-out procedure. What's the matter? Relax, relax, relax. You know, maybe we should spend a couple of minutes together, you know, to get acquainted before we, uh, you know, before we get to it. What's wrong with you? I don't want to do this. I understand, but, you know, what are your alternatives? My alternatives? Yeah. To what, to you? I don't know. Suicide? Death? Look, it's either me or them. You're getting fucked one way or the other. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Lighten up, okay? Um, it's Stan is, Rothenstein. Thank by you, the way. thank you. Stan. Yes, Stan, yes, Stan Rothenstein. This is one of the scenes where you kind of have to like suspend your disbelief because there's no way that the attorney would be brought into the cell to like hang. No, like they'd be no. going into like an interview room or something, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it's it's too good of a scene to care about like that little detail. Yeah, somebody had this Abbott and Costello idea they wanted to do, and I think I saw that like the scene almost didn't make it into the movie as well because it's so dirty. I don't think so. I, I don't I don't know why. But. Yeah, it's all like you know. I you know, we can slip it in. You yeah, know, like just you want me just so. to jerk you, jerk you around or something. Like there's some sort of line about that. It's all sex jokes. <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. well written. I love it. It's such a good. Yeah, yeah. the the screenwriter did an amazing job. Yeah, but then we get into the kind of them actually talking to Vinny, and it's like you start to realize like oh, you know he has no experience. Oh, how how long have you been an attorney? Six. Six years? No, six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, you really do wonder, like, what was he doing for the last six weeks? Like, he didn't have a job. He's working at, he's, he's working at the, the the auto shop that's, with her. Yeah. Okay. And she's she's an out of work hairstylist. And what, right? It's funny yeah. that she like calls herself that too, because she's like doing like tune ups and all the things in the garage. Why don't she just say that she's like a mechanic? But I guess. Well, she says she used to do that. She may not be doing it anymore. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she, yeah, she. I think she's probably now, like, she when she was younger or going through maybe hairdressing school, she did it. But now I think her, 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 like, and and the way that they have her like costumed and stylized, 
she definitely looks more like somebody who would be a hairdresser mm-hmm. than a mechanic. I don't know. Yeah, and what I love about this is that he is not cocky. Like, he's not there to say, like, oh, I'm the best lawyer in the world. I'm going to win your case. Like, he's honest. And you can right. see that all of them are scared. Oh, um, yeah. Even him. Yeah. So we get to our next scene. Uh, this is the uh, this is the pro hoc vice scene, which is, if you don't know, that's when a lawyer from one jurisdiction gets kind of like a day pass to practice somewhere else. So this is where he meets, we meet uh, Judge Chamberlain Holler, who won the contest for most Southern judge sounding name. Uh, yes, um, yes. And he's played by Fred Gwynn, Fred Munster. Yeah, he's amazing. Who is, I think he's his last role. I think he might have died yeah. before the movie even came out. And he yeah. is fucking masterful <laughs> in this role. Oh, he's great. I mean, he's you great. Yeah. that he's actually a judge. Oh, my, yeah. Just his presence and, you know, he's chain smoking and, I mean, I just... And he's drinking uh, whatever, bourbon or whatever. The whole thing is definitely straight out of central casting for a a southern judge. I mean, I've been practicing a long time. I've met judges. This is not far off. You know, I mean, mean, not everybody is, you know, quite like this. But the other thing, so not only is he playing an extremely convincing judge, he also, I mean, as you can tell, is a master of comedic timing. And he, like, I think he's even better. No no offense to Marissa Tomei, but, like, Fred Gwynn, like, the way he just rides the, like, gear shift of his acting, shifting from one thing to another, again, the, the little subtle things about the yeah. performance, it's just yeah. Yeah, the mechanics of it are so good. Yeah. A little informal, aren't we? I was just uh, resting. Not wearing a coat or tie. Oh, sorry. Well... Approving an attorney from out of state is a pretty informal matter. I just have a few questions. Okay, fire away, Judge. Where'd you go to law school? Brooklyn Academy of Law. Is that an accredited law school? Uh. Oh, uh, yes. How long have you been practicing? Oh, about uh, six, uh, almost 16 years. Any murder cases? Lots of, quite a few, yes. What was the outcome? Uh, you know, win some, lose some. <laughs> this is not the forum to be cavalier. Oh, of course. Now, let me see. Most recently, I had an axe murder, which I won on the grounds of temporary insanity. Want to hear the facts of the case? No. What else? Let me see, what else? You ever heard of the son of Sam? Fellow who received orders to kill from a dog? That one. You defended him? Well, no, not exactly. I, uh, I defended the first guy they arrested. And, uh, he was found innocent and set free. And, uh, they caught the real guy. I mean, the acting, that's what I was, that's what I was saying. It, the characters in this movie make it as, as opposed to the, scenario of the movie. It was character-driven, not scenario-driven, in my opinion. So Yeah. And that's what I love. The writing and the the acting, for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. This is Vinny's biggest unforced error of the movie, because this is where he lies to the judge. Yes. To to get this, you know, um, 
license to practice or temporary license to practice in uh, in Mississippi where they are or Alabama wherever it is um, because he says he's been practicing for 16 years that he he represented not the son of Sam Killer but the first guy that they thought was the th- son of Sam Killer. <laughs> yes, I love yeah. that. That's just a great yeah. like it's a great <laughs> lie because it's so detailed. And right, what was that right. case? Does, does it even work? The, that's possible. The son of Sam case in the late late seventies was were the killings or seventies or eighties? Yeah, yeah. He said he was practicing for sixteen years. I guess that would work. It would work yeah, in nineteen ninety two. Yeah, it would work. Yeah. But he would have been yeah. a young lawyer then. How long? Do you, how old do you think they're like Joe Pesci is supposed to be in the movie? I don't know. He always looks old to me. Yeah, like forty. I think maybe like forty, 45. late forties. Okay. Yeah. Because she's significantly younger, and she looks like she's in her 30s. Yeah, it's so, only going to be know. like 35. But we're supposed yeah. to also believe that her sister's kid is getting married. Married. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> my niece, the daughter of my sister, is getting married. See, I told you it was good. <laughs> there we go. There's mm-hmm. some Marissa Tomei in, in, in the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> we got her as a guest. On we got her. Woohoo. Uh, Joe Pesci might join us later. Um, so <laughs> he, Judge Holler gives him the, the big book of civil pro- or criminal procedure and says, you better know this inside and out. Um, this is one place where I have to criticize it a little bit because this stuff is like on the bar exam. Like you do have to learn this stuff. Yeah. Now, he doesn't know procedure from this state, so there might be little subtle things he doesn't know, but the the general principles are the same in all 50 states. I like, though, that, like, it's just an avenue for, like, Marissa Tomei to read the book and actually be like, they have to. It's disclosure, you moron. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I like the fact that she's actually reading the book. Well, yeah. well, it just, it, yeah, she's like, she's such a cool character because you would never think that she would be reading that book or she would have so much knowledge. She just, I just love her. Well, she's I underestimated at every turn. So is he, but every that's turn. both of yeah. their, their kind of arc in the movie. And they they underestimate each other as well, but they're there to be, as brash as they are, they're very supportive, which again, feeds oh, back yeah, to Oh yeah, they're a team. Yeah. They're a team when she it, like goes and like, wins the money from the the pool like she and he he automatically is like all right we're gonna go down there we're gonna get your money back like from right. the, the pool game that she wins the money right like yeah. she's supporting yeah. him with like she's always asking him like what can i do how can i help there are well she yeah. called at the end of the movie she, jerry gallo and jerry callow mm-hmm. i mean that was all that was her uh her doing so yeah yeah she definitely helped him out yeah and that that feeds right into our next scene which is them at the motel and the song playing in the background is tammy wynette's stand by your man mm-hmm. uh, yeah <laughs> oh and this is the mean that the the scene that kind of sets up the last scene of the movie because it shows them right going back and forth about the torque of the the faucet is dripping, the, and it kind of yeah, right? oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. The dialogue yeah, that they yeah. have here, where yes. it mirrors the the climax of the the her, her direct examination. Yeah, right, right. Which is so cute. So it's yeah. like this. You're like kind of led to believe that they have this all the time, and maybe she's right. so she's making it up with the faucet and the type of like faucet that she uses or whatever. But like, it's I think it's just really cute. Did it ever occur to you it could be turned off and drip at the same time? No, because if you turned it off, it wouldn't drip. Maybe it's broken. Is that what you're saying? It's broken? Yeah, that's it. It's broken. You sure? 
I'm positive. Maybe you didn't twist it hard enough. I twisted it just right. How could you be so sure? You will look in the manual. You will see that this particular model faucet requires a range of 10 to 16 foot-pounds of torque. I routinely twist maximum allowable torqueage. Well, how could you be sure you used 16 foot-pounds of torque? Because I used a Craftsman Model 1019 Laboratory Edition Signature Series torque wrench, the kind used by Caltech high-energy physicists and NASA engineers. Well, in that case, how could you be sure that's accurate? Because a split second before the torque wrench was applied to the faucet handle, it had been calibrated by top members of the state and federal department of weights and measures to be dead on balls accurate. Here's a certificate of validation. Dead on balls accurate. It's an industry term. They're a cute, a, it is. a couple that you would not expect to be together. You want? I want the no. backstory. I want to know how they met. I want. It, I want the the sequel. I want. You want to? You want like a my my cousin Vin, Vinny prequel? Yes. <laughs> Which yeah. would probably bomb, but okay. my, like my cousin Vinny, my big fat Italian wedding. <laughs> so there, there is no obviously there's no sequel to the movie officially. Um, there, there were some ideas kicked around and it never happened. There are some novels that were written oh. featuring these oh, characters. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. And in the novels... Who would write that? I don't know, but apparently in the novels, <laughs> you know, he continues to be an attorney um, and she basically works as his assistant slash like investigator. Oh, that makes sense. So, so she solves everything. She helps solve everything, yeah. So it's they, they've, they've kept that through line That's through whoever funny. wrote those. I'm um, sure that's garbage. Yeah. yeah. And then we get to this. Uh, well, hey, hey, look at what E.L. James did with fan fiction from Twilight. I, I mean, you know, true. some yeah. of the some of these uh, some of these fan fictions, they turn into something. Uh, you know, I wrote fan fiction once. I'm not even joking. <laughs> what? <laughs> that doesn't surprise me I'll at all. I'll give you guys it. one guess on what it is about. <laughs> oh, one guess. Uh, Rob Thomas? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that was my guess. <laughs> About one of the other guys in the band. What? <laughs> what? Not even the hot there was lead singer. Other people in the band. It's called Tangled Webs. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have it? I don't know. I can probably find it. Oh my god! You gotta find it. Like... And make sure the kids never see it. No, it wasn't like a <laughs> sex story. Oh well. It was about how. This is such a tangent. I don't care. This is what the podcast is about. This is hilarious. This is hilarious. The guitarist. The guitarist fell in love with someone that he met online. And it was like, oh, what tangled webs we weave when first we met. Oh, there's a Shakespeare angle. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. Now you know my... It became a Showtime limited series. Anyway. um, (laughs) All right. I'm going to try and get this... I'm going to try and get this back on track. Um, It's on the internet now. It's going to be on the internet forever. (laughs) 
Oh my god. <laughs> anyway. All right. So they're at the motel, um, and we start. This starts uh, the one a great running gag in the movie, which is that he is no matter where they stay, they are woken up at the crack of dawn by some god awful loud noise. There's nowhere in this city that is safe to sleep <laughs> because funny. Like was it the pigs the first time? No, the first time I, I have it. Like a, it's it's a, no, it's the sawmill. The loud whistle from the sawmill. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, and, and then the uh, pigs. Yeah, and I think I may have skipped this. Um, I can't remember where we. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. This comes later. So okay, so they go to get breakfast. Uh, she is wearing an outfit that's straight out of Beetlejuice. Oh, the breakfast scene. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we have to stop on the breakfast scene for a second. Okay. <laughs> the menu. Yes. <laughs> just breakfast, oh, lunch, and dinner. dinner. Just, like, showing them, like, hmm, I don't know. I guess I'll get the breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're sweet about and it. And the lard is, like, oh, yeah. well, that's, slopped that's, that's on. That's the whole, like, how Grits. long it takes you to cook. Grits. Food. Everything in yeah. this movie, like, leads to another yeah. part of the movie. Yeah, and what I love Absolutely. about that, you, I was this is what the thing I was going to point out, which is, yeah, that this sets up the Grits thing later because he's now learned about it. But what I love what it says about his character is that he, despite, again, being kind of abrasive, he's uh, he's very curious. Like, he's actually, he, he's cross-examining this guy, like, oh, tell me more about Grits. What are they made of? How do you make them? Yeah. And like, it's not, it's, it's sincere. It's not like... yeah. Oh, you eat grits down. It's not like he's you like, weirdos eat. Yeah, this. it's yeah. not making. Fun he's of it not all. an elitist. No, he's, he's not an elitist in any sense. Of the... Asking questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right, and so then we get to our first day in court, uh, and this is the uh, the arraignment where I don't know how he botches this, but it's pretty amazing. That again, the judge literally is like, all you have to do is say whether he's entering a plea of guilty or not guilty, and he's trying to argue with the judge to get out of the yeah. case. He's sitting on the table. He's obviously not dressed per the rules of decorum. Um, like he he flunks this pretty hard uh, to the point where he ends up being taken into custody. How do your clients plead? Uh, my clients are caught completely by surprise. They thought they were getting arrested for uh, shoplifting a can of tuna. What are you telling me? That they plead not guilty? No, I, I'm just trying to explain. I don't want to hear explanations. The state of Alabama has its procedure. And that procedure at this point in time is to have an arraignment. Are we clear on this? Uh, yes, but uh, there seems to be a great deal of confusion here. Mr. Gambini. Uh, see, my clients... Uh... Uh, Mr. Gambini. All I ask from you is a very simple answer to a very simple question. There are only two ways to answer it, guilty or not guilty. Your Honor, my clients didn't do anything. Once again, the communication process is broken down. It appears to me that you want to skip the arraignment process, go directly to trial, skip that, and get a dismissal. <laughs> well, I'm not about to revamp the entire judicial process just because you find yourself in the unique position of defending clients who say they didn't do it. Now, next words out of your mouth are either going to be guilty or not guilty. And it causes Stan to th- start thinking, mm-hmm. huh, 
maybe this is not the right person to to basically uh, represent me. Which is a perfectly reasonable thought to have based on this person. Absolutely, at that point, yes, yes. Yeah, and we also meet Jim Trotter, uh, the prosecutor, and he's not, like, smug about what's happening. Like, he, he seems to just be sort of genuinely perplexed, uh, as is the judge. Yeah. Um, you know, it, getting thrown into jail, actually, the, at a certain point, um, it, it would act, they don't comment on this in the movie, but it would be almost strategically good for Joe Pesci to keep getting thrown in jail over these minor things. Cause this is, it's a lot for a judge. I've never seen this happen in my entire legal career for someone to get thrown into contempt. Um, I've seen contempt orders happen, but it's usually a money sanction. I've never seen anyone actually get thrown in prison as a lawyer. So this is very extreme for him to do this on like the first day. And yeah, by doing it over and over again, you would actually lay the groundwork for an appeal. Should they lose? Because it would show that the judge maybe was biased because he kept, you know, just absolutely bringing down the hammer on him every time. Yeah. Anyway, legal tidbit for you during okay. this scene. Anything, any of you guys have any thoughts on this scene? Just how, um, just how funny it is. I mean, yeah. It, yeah, I nothing mean, additional. Yeah. But it leads right into something you had talked about earlier, which is when he's getting released from prison, probably just, you know, an hour or so later, however mm-hmm. long it is, that Marissa Tomei lets him have it, you know, because... You know, didn't they teach you procedure? You know, all that oh, stuff. Okay. And yeah. Then, and then he gives yeah. that great speech about how it's like rebuilding a carburetor, mm. right? So he learned the hard way not to, you know, to follow not because he didn't follow the rules. Okay. I just, you know, I like that because again, that the rules of that, legal procedure are actually not that different. It, it is a procedure. There are rules in a way you're supposed to go. Well, about he's just things. not familiar with like procedure. Obviously, he doesn't even know that an arraignment is like not to like start arguing your case. Like right. It's it's literally or disclosure show or anything like yeah. that. Exactly. You know, like yeah. from like yeah. Uh, and then we get to the first the, another running gag, which is they go to this pool hall because mm-hmm. apparently oh, yeah. while he was doing all this, she tried to hustle this guy for money and mm-hmm. failed off screen. And he goes to collect. Uh, and we have a contract negotiation of sorts. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I believe you and Lisa played a game of pool for $200, which she won. I'm here to collect. How about if I just kick your ass? Oh, a counteroffer. That's what we lawyers, I'm a lawyer, we lawyers call that a counteroffer. Let me see. This is a tough decision you give me here. Get my ass kicked to collect $200. Hmm. What do you think? I could use a good ass kick, and I'll be very honest with you. Mm. Nah, I think I'll just go with the 200. (laughs) (laughs) Over my dead body. You like to renegotiate as you go along, huh? Okay, then here's my counteroffer. Do I have to kill you? What if I was just to kick the ever-loving shit out of you? In your dreams. Oh, no, 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 no. In reality, if I was to kick the shit out of you, do I get the money? If you kick the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah, then you get the money. Okay. Let's see if we agree on the terms. The choice now is I get my ass kicked or option B, I kick your ass and collect the 200. I'm going with option B, kicking your ass and collecting $200. Yeah. 
With yeah, come back with the two hundred. Do you have the two hundred dollars? No, I don't. So come back I and can we'll. Get it. Yeah. Yeah, I, like I can get it. Yeah. I can get it. I, yeah, I like exactly. how he's like. That's the same scene where he sees the guy with the neck brace. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. How did you get the <laughs> Yes, yes. Like he's like yes. wanting to represent him or something. Yeah, like, oh, this is a great personal injury case. Like, ah, no, what a shame. Where'd you fall mm. in my house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you're like, damn. Yeah. And he's like genuinely pissed when he says that. Is that, is he supposed to be a personal injury lawyer? Like, is that like his, do we even know? I, yes. Yeah, is, I think they do establish that. He says that he's, what limited legal work he's done has, have, has been on personal injury cases. Okay. Although okay. so he has okay. been working as an attorney. To some limited degree. And that would be civil procedure, not criminal procedure. So it's a slightly different set of rules okay. for how that works. So okay. that also feeds okay. into why he doesn't know this stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I love the way that negotiation goes down where it's like, I have a counter offer for you, you know, as, as they go back and forth on, you know, this $200. Oh, let me see. I can, I can uh, have my ass kicked or I can kick your ass and get $200. Hmm, what a dilemma. You know, yeah, like, all people in the bar are laughing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this doesn't work unless the the guy who, uh, on the other end of it, is a complete weasel who clearly does not have $200. Yeah. And can't back yeah. up. I yeah. couldn't remember who this guy was. He seemed like a memorable character actor, but I couldn't place him. Yeah. All right. I have no idea. Yeah. All right. So then we go to uh, the, the the kids are playing baseball in prison, and they're uh, this is where Ralph Macchio tries to encourage Stan by telling him what great arguers the Gambinis are. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. And so then we um we get the. Uh, Oh, no, this is where we have the, the pillow talk scene, Amy, that you referred to before. That's why I was confused in my notes. Oh, did I bring it up to you? Yeah, that's okay. This is the okay. one where, yeah, they're having the talk about the leaking faucet. And, okay. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, and also, not just that, like, the, the dialogue mirrors the scene at the end of the movie, but also it's like, tech talk is kind of their pillow talk. Right, right. It establishes her as, like, knowledgeable about things that you wouldn't expect her to be knowledgeable about. Right. Uh, so then we go, you have to make it believable that she would know some of these, like, automotive things. Yeah. And I think you need this scene. No, you have to. It can't come out of nowhere at the end of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I also think you have to have her to be resourceful throughout the movie. Like, she's not, like, a total dumbass. She actually has a brain, mm-hmm. and she has a lot of street smarts, and she's able to do things that probably most people would not be able to do and maybe book smart's not her thing but there's a lot of things that she does know that are very very useful to him in the whole the whole time he's down there. and they got really lucky that the case like hinged on something that she was so knowledgeable about yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. and him too yeah. i mean had he not seen yeah. the photo right which he i know also we're gonna knows. get to like yeah. he obviously knew the same exact thing she did Right, he's equally right. knowledgeable. Right. Noticed it in the photo. Right, but he right. can't call himself right. as a witness, so yeah. he needs right. her. Right. Uh, yeah, so we get to the first, uh, the preliminary hearing, and uh, so we we learn that you know basically what the what the case is really about, which is that this other green, very similar looking car pulled up to the same convenience store after they left it and and murdered the clerk. And uh, I love that it, this just ends with that him getting thrown in jail again, where he. 
the judge gives him shit about his clothes and he goes, oh, you were serious about that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, He's wearing that black leather jacket and everything, yeah. I like when he, I know we're going to get to it, but like the first suit he does show up in is that. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) That red. That like tux from like (laughs) 19, like 60s. Yeah, Yeah, he's dressed like a Vendrose with dummy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we'll get there. Um, So uh, we have this scene where she says, oh, you're a smooth talker. Uh, after he's let out of jail, and I love the encouragement she gives him here because he, you know, he's he's obviously feeling low. He's he's fucked it up two days in a row, and she tells him, you know, hey, once you're really out there and getting into it with these witnesses, you're gonna be great. Mm-hmm. And it's, I just love that. Like again, like the heart of this movie is always on display. Yeah, right. And she has so much. She has a lot of uh, a lot of confidence in him, and that's awesome. Yeah. So now we have this meeting with the public defender, John Gibbons. <laughs> and I love that. That was <laughs> hilarious. There is, but before we get there, there there were there was this like subplot in the movie that like when every time we see the prison, there are these protests about the death penalty going on outside because this guy Norton is about to be executed. And be- yeah. so on their way to meet with the public defender, the prison guard starts talking about like how the the electric chair has been malfunctioning lately. And it's like bad for their electric bills because they had to fry this guy three times. It's like it reminds me of that like that's that like scene that like will burn into your retinas from the Green Mile, like the one you have to like close your eyes when it comes up. I love that that's in the background of the movie because they don't let you forget that like as funny as it is, like their lives are on the line, like the stakes are high. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and people actually get executed in Alabama. It's not like. The death penalty in, like, California or something like that, where you'll die in prison before you ever get executed, you know. Yeah, no, they will use that chair on him, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I love that, yeah, so when we meet Gibbons, we'll find out later, of course, that he has this crippling stutter, but it's situational. It's only in court. (laughs) When they meet him the first time, he seems okay. And what I read about him was he really does have a stutter, and, like, after he made the movie, he felt terrible about, like, how it was portrayed. And, like, he just had a lot of, like, regrets about doing the role at all. It reminds me a lot of, I mean, I know we're not to the scene where it happens, but it's almost like the, the marriage scene from The Princess Bride. Like, it's this really extreme speech impediment. It's really hard to, like, do those kinds of scenes respectfully. It, now, it yeah. works. Like, I think his scene is, like, hilarious. Maybe that, like, that's oh, terrible of me, but it's. So oh, it's funny. it's I, so funny. It's, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, I, he, was, has he has he done a, other things? Because he looks so familiar to me. I my brain was telling me he's got a a, a reasonably sized part in Short Circuit, but I I didn't look it up to see if it was the same guy. Uh, okay, um, okay, but okay. yeah, I, I I'm not gonna, you know I don't have a stutter, so I can't speak to whether or not someone would find this offensive or you yeah. know difficult. But I will say that it is very over the top. Compared to what an actual, like, I've never heard a person with a stutter who sounded like this. Because it's, no. it's so, I don't know if maybe going that far, it'll put, you know, putting the needle to 11 removes some of the offensiveness from it. But again, I, I can't speak to that. Right. Um, well, I, I actually grew up with a friend who had a stutter. And this, this is actually very, I would say, realistic in the sense that when they're not, like, when you're more, um, when you feel more under pressure and you're, you, you feel um, anxiety, your stuttering comes 
it is very, very much worse than if you're at home with just your friends and, and you're in a comfortable environment. So the fact that he could speak with them, you know, with Stanley, and there wasn't a stutter then, and then he gets him up in front of all of these people and his stutter does come back, that actually is, f from my experience of having a friend who stutters, that is very, very um, common and very, really like it is. And his stutter, I, I mean, my friend, I didn't think that his stutter was over the top at all because that's exactly how my friend sounded when he was in a, and was in a uh, situation where he wasn't comfortable. The other thing that happened shortly after this introductory scene with Gibbons is Vinny telling this story about the magician and kind of this, giving this analogy with a playing card. Oh, shoot. gonna show you the bricks. He'll show you they got straight sides. He'll show you how they got the right shape. He showed them to you in a very special way so that they appear to have everything a brick should have. But there's one thing he's not gonna show you. When you look at the bricks at the right angle, they're as thin as this playing card. His whole case is an illusion, a magic trick. It has to be an illusion because you're innocent. Nobody, I mean nobody, pulls the wool over the eyes of a Gambini, especially this one. Give me the chance. One chance. Let me question the first witness. If after that point you don't think that I'm the best man for the job, fire me then and there. I'll leave quietly, no grudges. All I ask is for that one chance. I think you should give it to me. I love that because it's a perfect analogy for what your job is as a lawyer mm -hmm. is to think about the other side's evidence and find ways to do what he this basically give life to this metaphor he's he's presenting. So that just resonated yeah. with me. I'm like, yeah, that's my job. That's what they do. <laughs> um, and and also to when you're the person presenting the evidence, try not to show people playing cards if you know that they, they're not actually bricks, right? And he really did learn the trick. And he wanted to do it himself. He didn't want the person to like... Joe Pesci, you mean. Yeah, Joe Pesci. He didn't want the director to like cut away and edit it to make it look like he really did it. It was the actual trick that he learned. Um, he just wanted to be able to do that. Yeah, and I know we haven't really... I mean, we've been sort of generally talking about the acting and some people. We haven't really just said anything directly about what how good Joe Pesci is as an actor. Because, man, he yeah. has such range. Because you look at this, yeah. you look at like Home Alone, right? These incredibly broad comedic roles. And then you watch something like Goodfellas. And you just like, yeah. man, this guy can do anything. He's you know, he's got a very very specific vibe, but he can do so much with it. Oh I'm yeah, look up and he's... see how old he is because I'm super curious. Don't you usually know everybody's birth years? I was off. I was oh. going to guess 1946, it... but I was off by three years. Okay, I know it's something around there because famous. He's they, 80. Oh, wow. He's 80 yeah. years old. Yeah. Well, famous. Doesn't didn't he just like have a baby? That was Robert De Niro. Was, oh, no, not Robert, Robert De, Niro. De Niro. Was it Robert De Niro that just had a baby? He just lost a son or grandson. Well, no, life one of them even just had, fell out. I he think also it, just had a baby, I think. I think it was Joe Pesci. Or no, he, um, who's the other one? Not Robert De Niro. A <laughs> daughter named uh, Tiffany, 1992. Okay, okay. But I think you're thinking of Robert course. De Niro, but I could be wrong. I will look it up. All right. 
Um, You're probably right. Yeah, I, the only thing I was going to add was famously he was uh, he palled yeah. around with the Four Seasons. So Robert yeah. De Niro, this is like not related at all, but Robert De Niro has children age. Well, he just had a baby, and then he also has kids from 11 okay. years old okay. to 51 years old. Wow! Can you imagine raising <laughs> kids for that long? I, I'm thinking he's not raising the kids. And his, I'm thinking the, the child that he just lost was actually a grandson who is 19 right. years old. So it's awful. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is awful. All right, back to the comedy. Um, so uh, then we get uh, the reprise of uh, this pool hall guy, mm-hmm. and I lo- again like we're yes, it's a funny scene, but it's again like underlining Vinny's bullshit detector like his, his his character because they goes hey i got the the money and he goes oh well let me see it yeah, yeah. You know, and, and of course he susses out yeah. it's like it's like a 20 wrapped around a bunch of ones yeah 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 like that is quintessential law right it's like i'm not gonna take this at face value <laughs> show me yeah show me up close so show I can me see. yeah right. yeah 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 uh so then let's see they get to go uh hunting with um Oh yeah, which shows like how nice like Trotter is that he like offers him the cabin. Like it's just another. Oh yeah, he's a nice Southern guy who. He's a nice guy. Oh, the deer scene though. We have to talk about the and with Bambi. Yeah, she's Bambi's going up and taking a a (laughs) sip of water. Imagine you're a deer. Yep, deer. Imagine you're a deer. Now I gotta ask you: Do you give a shit what the guy who shot you was wearing? Yes, yes. I mean, I remember that being the scene, like one of the top scenes. Like, not after like the the end courtroom scene. Like that was one of like the top scenes we talked about in my family. Oh yeah, all the time. Oh yeah. What am I gonna wear? What are you gonna hunt? I don't know. He got uh, he's got a lot of stuffed heads in his office. Heads? What kind of heads? I don't know. He's got a boar, a bear, a couple of deer. Whoa, you're going to shoot a deer? I don't know. I suppose. I mean, I'm a man's man. I could go deer hunting. A sweet, innocent, harmless, leaf-eating, doe-eyed little deer. Hey, Lisa, I'm not going to go out there just to wimp out, you know? I mean, the guy will lose respect for me. Would you rather have that? these pants I got on. You think they're okay? Oh! Imagine you're a deer. You're prancing along. You get thirsty. You spot a little brook. You put your little deer lips down to the cool, clear water. Bam! A fucking bullet rips off part of your head. Your brains are laying on the ground in little bloody pieces. Now I ask you, would you give a fuck what kind of pants a son of a bitch who shot you was wearing? This is also where we get Vinny's backstory, where he, he tells Trotter about, you know, he argued his way out of this traffic ticket, and the judge was so impressed, he kind of took him under his wing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. well, again, I yeah. love that, again, character building, but also this will come back later, because at, at the end, this judge pulls his ass out of the fire. Yep. Um, so, yep. yeah. Uh, and then... Right, the whole point of this trip was like to secretly get a look at his files, which of course he is <laughs> legally obligated to share with him. Yeah, yeah, he did yeah. not. This, right. is, this is a disclosure. Stuff. Yeah, right, right, right. And and that's when Marissa told me was like, "Oh, really? It's called disclosure yeah. or whatever." Yeah, it's she called says. disclosure, yeah. you moron. They didn't teach you that in law school. Yeah. Yes. 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 I bet you do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> 
movie. Well, that's why we're doing <laughs> it. Great movie. Um, great movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then we get uh, just a taste of Vordire for the jury, where the jury selection, and they he mm-hmm. you know, they have that one woman who says, you know, fry him. Uh, yeah. This is acceptable to the prosecution. Yeah. Uh, which, I I can't remember. I didn't bother to, to like check if she was actually on made it to the final jury, like she, mm-hmm. if she was seated. Because if Vinny knows anything, it would be to immediately use one of his legally allotted peremptory challenges to kick her off the jury or, or try yes. her off her cause. Yes. I, I can't yes. remember if she's there at the end. I can't remember which one this was. It's just a nice old lady. Okay. I, yeah. yeah, I don't remember. They, they, you don't get, a, like, you kind of see shots of the jury. They're kind of nodding or doing mm-hmm. things, but we don't get to, like, know them in any yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so we get an ex parte communication, meaning Vinny goes in to talk to the judge without Trotter around, which generally you're not supposed to do uh, because it creates the impression that something's up. You know, if you're talking to the judge and nobody else gets to see what's happening. But, you know, these are good for comedy. So um, he, he walks in, the judge is playing chess. And this is when this stuff starts to come back to Biden where the judge says, hey, there's no record mm-hmm. of you uh, uh, in New you, York. Yes. Uh, and he says, oh, no, uh, I Jerry Gallo is dead. And, oh, yeah. But I love that he like he pivots so quickly. It's like Jerry Gallo, he's dead. You yeah. know, he, he, well, luckily, well, that's Marissa later. Had told told him, him, right? That was that, that was later because he said, oh, well, that's no, no, this is the first time is Jerry Gallo. Gallo. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. Gallo. And then okay, he yeah. walks out and then Marissa Tomei is like. Uh, oh, you, uh, you told him Jerry Gallo? Uh, did you read about it? He was in the papers. That was it, yeah. Like, no, that was in the, like, he's dead. Yeah. That was in the first <laughs> scene because he cause when he says he's been practicing for 16 years, I believe he says he was practicing under the name mm-hmm. Jerry Gallo. Because okay. he was okay. worried he would look up Vincent Gambini, you know, with the state yeah. bar and find out, yeah, he's been practicing for six weeks. Which, by the way, not disqualifying. Yeah. But he's trying yeah. to establish himself as... But that's fine, but it's not legally required. The judge yeah. would not bounce his request to represent. But he has to have someone else who's willing to vouch for him, right? Isn't that the rule? Like Generally, that's how it works. Or yeah. you have someone that's in the state that's willing to vouch for you. Correct. Every time I've had to do this, you either to facilitate it for somebody else. I've never had to do much practicing in other states myself. Um, but, yeah, like at least, in, at least this is how we do it in California, is if uh, someone from another jurisdiction comes in, you... You, I would, as if I was the attorney vouching for them, sign a declaration saying this person is licensed in good standing with the state bar of such and such state. They have, you know, um, they've only you know, they've only done this once or twice, so they're not doing it all the time. And you just submit that to the judge. But he would need it. someone from Alabama to do that. Correct. So it's weird that someone from New York is willing to vouch for him. Like he, he needs, yeah, in theory like, he needs. Whatever, whatever, it's, like, matter, these are the minor procedural things, right, shortcuts right. they take. Uh, so we go up to the cabin. And the her, I love her line. You're screwing up, and I can't help. And this is where we get to the big biological clock. Yeah, bottle. with the stomping of yeah. the feet. I'm you can't. Yeah, yeah. Your feet. Mm-hmm. yeah. Such a good yeah. Scene. It's great. It's such a great scene. Yeah, I love it. What's the matter with you? I don't know. You're acting like you're nervous or something. Well, yeah, I am. 
What are you nervous about? I'm the one that's under the gun here. The trial starts tomorrow. You want to know what I'm nervous about? I'll tell you what I'm nervous about. I am in the dark here with all this legal crap. I have no idea what's going on. All I know is you're screwing up, and I can't help. You lent me a little camera, didn't you? Oh, Finny, I'm watching you go down in flames, and you're bringing me with you, and I can't do anything about it. And? Well, I hate to bring it up because I know you got enough pressure on you already. But we agreed to get married as soon as you won your first case. Meanwhile, ten years later, my niece, the daughter of my sister, is getting married. My biological clock is ticking like this. And the way this case is going, I ain't never getting married. And then she says, like, okay, maybe it was a bad time to bring it up. <laughs> well, he, <laughs> he unloads in a way that is like, you know, he basically lays it all out, of, you know, like, all of the pressures he's under mm-hmm. uh, and this great crescendoing speech of like, you know, what more can we add to the yeah. list? I forget exactly how he phrases and it. And he but, stomps his foot too. Yeah. <laughs> not to mention your knock, knock, knock biological clock. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and so then he goes and he, uh, so then we have the scene where they're stuck in the mud um, well, first, yes. first they sleep yes. in the car because yeah, of the screw, the, yet again, and the, owl. <laughs> and the owl like wakes. Yeah, they sleep in the car. Yeah, which is and like then such they a get perfect the sound that owl noise. Is yeah, holy fuck! So funny. <laughs> and he walks out shooting the gun. Remember? Yeah, and he, 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 got he it like he, he yeah he thinks he got it, and then it like looks over and then quack or like barks or whatever the out screeches yeah i don't know if that's a real uh if that's a real owl noise is it it's a real sound and they like found a way to trick the owl because like you put a piece of meat in front of it and it swallows and then it makes the noise again so they were able to time it exactly oh that was a real owl it was yeah well, I don't know that really? that was the owl that was making the sound. I think oh, okay. they okay. recorded it later, but they got okay. him to like okay. turn his okay. head at just the right. Yeah, and this is gotcha. the okay. He also was nominated for a Golden Globe. <laughs> sure. <the owl>. sure. <laughs> and this is kind of he the last. <laughs> this is the last uh, stop on that train of like noises that wake them up. So first it was like the the sawmill horn and then it's the train when we find out and i love that they do the train twice and he goes like you said it was weird that it it comes at five he's like no it usually comes at four (laughs) Um, how does anyone in this town sleep right uh so then they go to sleep in their car and it rains and she's like it's so romantic (laughs) yeah and then lightning This is yeah. very romantic. Romantic. <laughs> I feel I just like the intonations in her voice. Like it's so good. Yeah, and then she, yeah, she's, she's so perfect. Phenomenal. And then they get stuck in the mud the next morning. Right, which is very important because the suit. Well, for two reasons. Yes, yes the mm-hmm. suit, and the other because it again lays into like how this car reacts to in the mud. In the mud, which will be yes. like a major which part will of the revolution come- later. Right. Yeah, would, yeah, which if you've been stuck in the mud in Alabama, you know it's... Yeah, but you but know I love that, that one because... car, one wheel spins and the other does nothing. And they right. all go, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and again, it's, yeah. That, it's that like experience, <laughs> that lived-in experience of like, they haven't been in the South long, but oh. they've learned about grits, they've learned about the mud, they're, yeah. they're, they're getting it all, yeah. and... Um, they uh, and it and makes them likable too. There's another thing with oh, the mud yeah. very early when they first arrive in town. They have that talk. They yeah, talk they, to a cop who like says something about mud, trying to get yeah, mud out like, of tires. She's like, I never heard of it or something. Yeah. Like, uh, and so this is why he ends up in this red ventriloquist yes. dummy suit. Um, oh yeah, she says another funny line. It's like, you get the fucking suit, I'll get the fucking like. They mm-hmm. say something really funny there. 
Because when yeah. they're running in the town. Because they have like a half an hour yeah. to like get the suit, get him to court, yeah. and do and all this stuff. they both say, I'll get the fucking suit, you get the fucking book, <laughs> something else. I don't remember what it was, but it was really funny. He looks like a Jeff Dunham puppet. Like, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like, with that, with that, like, like yeah, with, with that suit. I don't know. And uh, he... Is this know, when he starts then questioning the witnesses? And no. And he's like... Knowing what he's doing. Yes. Uh, in in a minute, so. yeah. We have a couple things to go through before that, but it's all part of the same scene. So, one, he's barely awake because of these constant... Oh, I think he falls asleep. He falls asleep during the the prosecutor's opening statement. And Stan, like, kind of gives, like, a look at this guy. Like, right, I can't, right. I can't believe you're working yeah. with him still. The judge gives him crap yeah. about the suit, and he, he explains, you know, hey, it's this or the yeah. leather, which I know you hate. Yeah. You know, right, um, right. And the other people are... Closed or whatever. Yeah. So this oh, they're, the only they're place out for the flu. The whole story is out for the, for the, the flu. For the flu, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Gambini, are you mocking me with that outfit? Mocking you? No, I'm not mocking you, Judge. Then explain that outfit. I bought a suit. You've seen it. Now it's covered in mud. This town doesn't have a one-hour cleanest, so I had to buy a new suit. Except that the only store you could buy a new suit in has got the flu. You get that? The whole store got the flu. So I had to get this in a second-hand store. So it's either wear the leather jacket, which I know you hate, or this. So I wore this ridiculous thing for you. You on drugs? Drugs? No. I don't take drugs. I don't like your attitude. What else is no? I'm holding you in contempt of court. Oh, there's a fucking surprise. And he gives the <laughs> the shortest opening statement in history by just saying everything that guy just said is bullshit. And he says, I object. Yeah. Which is sustained correctly. Yes. <laughs> because he's just supposed to say what the evidence will show. He's not supposed to argue. Um, but so stricken from the record. I love his mannerisms in the court. Yeah. Like all the little things he says, he's like, I'm done with this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we get Gibbons's stuttering, uh, opening where he, he says something about like, I'm getting better. Yeah. Um, which is not what you want to hear when you're on trial for murder. And, uh, so we get to the first witness, Mr. Tipton and. Great guy. No, uh, yeah, this is the this is the grits guy. So this is where we get yeah. the, the thing about yeah. Uh, so did you sell him to the same guy who stole Jack his beanstalk beans? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we're we're to imagine that the <laughs> law of physics in your stove is different than anywhere else on earth. <laughs> yeah, he he go, he lays it on thick, but. But it's a but like I said, this is a good cross examination. It's you know it's pushed to the limit for comedic effect, mm -hmm. and you would never oh, get yeah. in a witness's face and yell at him. Are you sure about <laughs> those five minutes? Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> did you order the code red? Objection and uh, sustained. Objection to sustained. Are you sure about those five minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Instinct grits. No self-respecting southerner uses instinct grits. I take pride in my grits. So, Mister Tipton. How could it take you five minutes to cook your grits when it takes the entire grit-eating world 20 minutes? 
I don't know. I'm a fast cook, I guess. I'm sorry. I was all the way over here. I couldn't hear you. Did you say you're a fast cook? That's it? Are we to believe that boiling water soaks into a grit faster in your kitchen than on any place on the face of the earth? I don't know. Well, perhaps the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove. Were these magic grits? I mean, did you buy them from the same guy who sold Jack his beanstalk beans? Uh, objection, Your Honor. Objection sustained. Are you Mr. sure about Tipton, that five you minutes? Ignore the question. Know. Are you sure about that five minutes? I don't know. I think you made your point. Are you sure about that five minutes? I may have been mistaken. I got no more use for this guy. That you cannot do. For one reason, you're, you're never supposed to approach a witness except to maybe hand them something briefly and then walk back for precisely this reason. So you don't get up in people's faces and, and yell yeah. at them. This is often done in movies, though, because it's you want to frame a shot nicely. And so it's awkward to have a shot where the witness and the lawyer are actually as far apart as they are in real life. Uh, makes everything yeah. kind of this wide shot. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, he... Basically, all of the witnesses, except for the expert at the end, are all the same cross-examination, which is, did you really see the thing you thought you saw? And getting to, the, you know, okay, you only had, you thought you had five minutes to watch this. You actually, had, there were, or for this to take place, there were actually 20 minutes mm-hmm. between when you started right. making the grits and when this yeah. happened. Um, and the yeah. window is dirty, and the the woman needs the new leaves. glasses. Bushes, the leaves. Bushes, well, leaves. The leaves yeah. on And what the are these thing? little and... things on those things? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Well, you come on, you can, yeah. you, you can say <laughs> it and scream <laughs> it out. Yeah, they know. Yeah, right. exactly. And then and then the lady who needs thicker glasses, yeah. he goes and he says, and the judge is like, let the, let the <laughs> record show. He's holding up two fingers. He's like... <laughs> Judge, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that scene. Yeah, and the, yeah. the use of the tape measure is great. You know, that is something you could do oh. as an attorney in real life, right? He's like, oh, you said, okay, here's fifty feet. Now, the one danger in this, of course, is what happens if she says you're holding up two fingers? <laughs> then he's got to go back a right. hundred feet, I guess. But yeah, that that is the one scary thing as a lawyer, where they, that's why they tell you don't ask a question if you don't know the yeah. answer. Well, he should have like depoted all these people, which is another like procedural thing. Like well, that. the trial is like they're they're arrested. They're arraigned and they're tried the next Monday yeah, or the something. The trial like. set for next Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like there's the no press. Yeah, so that that's where your kind of lawyer stuff goes down the drain. That's the shortcut. Bit, yeah, that yeah, that's one of those things where it's like when you're watching Ally McBeal and that happens and you're like, come on, you had you, there, there's no way you, yeah. you you could have a, this person's verdict by the end of the week. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, so you're right, Mrs. Riley. The levels of thickness in her glasses. Um, and so now we find out about uh, Trotter's little surprise, which is this expert witness mm-hmm. from the FBI who's going to talk about tires. That guy has been in something. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Before that, stands, Stan stands up and says, you're fired to the stutter guy and says, I'm taking, I'm, I'm with him. Right. After, after he does such like a good job of cross-examining and the guy who stutters what, like totally screwed it up. And I love when uh, so when Trotter says he's bringing this expert witness, uh, he makes the absolutely correct objection. You know, this is you know, you're sandbagging me, right? This is a this is a bombshell you're dropping on me. I should have had the opportunity to find out more about this witness before this guy shows up at trial. And this is one where it's like I love Fred Gwynn's just like that is a lucid, intelligent, well thought out objection. Thank you, Your Honor. Overruled. 
Right. I, I actually, you know, again, because of the reasons we already talked about, that should not have been overruled. But nevertheless, um, it's a great moment. Uh, I mean, I would think that that would be grounds for dismissal, like, in an appellate court or, like, a, yeah. yeah. Like, if he appealed, that would be, like, automatic, I would think, grounds. I but. would think, which is why judges won't do it, because they don't want to be overruled, and which is why they'll often, right. they'll actually bend the rules here and there on the theory that, like, well, if it goes their way, they can't say they didn't get every consideration, right, or goes the other way. Because then, right, otherwise, they're going right. to say, "I wanted this, and you denied me, and now I want to retrial." Absolutely. Um, so we get the yeah, the chemical composition of these tires is the same as the uh, the tread marks that were left by the sack of suds. We get the reprise of the Jerry Callow thing, where he, you know, he's got one more go around, and um, this is now the we're getting to the like the all hope is lost section of the movie where she doesn't want to talk to him anymore. Uh, you know, she storms out uh, and he's got, you know, was it 90 minutes or something? He's got some tiny amount of time to figure out how he's going to respond to this devastating expert witness. Did you find out who, what that actor was? Because he's been in everything. I know. That yeah, his been. name is J- James Reborn. That's right. James Reborn. I, I couldn't. Yeah, he's been he's been in a top. George Wilbur, I think is his name in the movie. George Wilbur. Right, the expert. Got, yeah, this, this is one of those character yeah. actors that yes, like, right. he's been, his yeah. IMDb page must be a mile long. He's in yeah. Carlito's yeah. Way, The Game, Scent of a Woman, Independence Day, Meet the Parents, I'm sure other things that we're more familiar with. Yeah. Uh, Regarding Henry. We were just talking about that movie. And so next is uh, we get the, the cross-examination of Mr. Wilbur, which is pretty effective, I think. And, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't yeah. win the case with this, but he proves that, you know, these are the most popular tires on one of the most popular cars. Right. It, it gives right. him the window that will allow him to, to win the case later. Right. Right. And uh, then we get to the big scene with where he finally, he, well, first he has to, like, practically drag her there. Right. Because she's so mad that. Well, well, he looks at the pictures that she sent and he sees where the pause attraction happened, and he's like, oh my gosh, and then he goes over to the judge, I mean, uh, to the to the sheriff, and he says, Sheriff Fowley, can you, can you look this up for me? And the sheriff's like, well, that's not my job. And he's like, just, you know, please. And so that's another thing. The sheriff is not really an antagonist. He's a good guy, too, because he actually does that. Right. You know, he doesn't want the wrong people to be in jail either. So he goes and does that, you know. Right. We'll find out he's going to look up information that reveals who the real killers are. Or they like, it's like kind of like the last nail in the coffin, that, that information for for the case. Right. Right. Um, Right. And, uh, this is one thing I, I, the one thing in the movie I'm a little iffy on, which is that like, it is dramatic that like, you know, will Marissa Tomei take the stand? But I, I think I commented to this when we were watching, which is like everything we know about her character is that she is kind. So, I don't even if she was mad at Vinny, I don't think she would hang the two kids out to dry. Well, she doesn't know that her testimony is important at this point. That's, she obviously doesn't realize that the the cars, the the trap. Cuz she seems genuinely surprised when she's looking at the, the photo and she's like, "Oh my god." Like the defense is wrong. Good. Wrong. Um, Which never, like, I don't understand the phrase, the the case does not hold water. Like, what does that even... What he's saying is he's built his whole case on, it's a different, uh, 
identical car, right? Yeah. You know, two guys with the exact same mint green Chrysler, whatever it yeah. is, right? And she, what she's saying, no, it's wrong. It's not a duplicate of the it's same different. car. It's a very similar It's a different. Car. Okay. I just, different. I've never heard yeah. the phrase except for in this movie. Does it hold water? Holding water. Oh, no, that, that's, a, really? that's a phrase. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if something yeah. holds water, that would mean it was like logically sound. Okay. I wonder where that's from. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, probably from anything that holds water has to be structurally sound because of no any little hole will water will leak. So yeah. it probably comes from basket weaving. <laughs> I'm guessing, but I, but I think that that probably could be where it comes from. Right. So she takes a stand, and Trotter decides to take a shot at Vor during her. Mm-hmm. And this is the one time he seems shitty in the movie, because this feels a little bit like, oh, a girl knows something about a car. You can't know about a car if you have a vagina. Now, uh, Ms. Vito, being an expert on general automotive knowledge... Can you tell me, what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a full barrel carburetor? It's a bullshit question. Does that mean that you can't answer it? It's a bullshit question. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. Your Honor, I move to disqualify Ms. Vito as an expert witness. Can you answer the question? No, it is a trick question. Why is it a trick question? Watch this. Because Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four-barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing would be four degrees before top dead center. Well, oh. Uh... She's acceptable, Your Honor. I'm like, I'm surprised he could come up with a question that's a trick question. Like, I don't think I could come up with a random question. I don't think he knew it was a trick question. I think he's just asking. Uh, he totally she, didn't. Yeah. Oh, he didn't. Yeah, okay. he totally. Yeah. He didn't know it was a trick question. I don't think. Yeah, I think he's just taking a taking a flyer here and see how she responds. Okay. And expecting her to not know anything, and of course, she easily swats these questions away because mm-hmm. she's an expert yeah. in it's general a- general automotive knowledge. Right. It's a bullshit question. Nobody could answer it. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. But I love that the judge then takes the time to go, why yeah. did nobody yeah. answer it? Right? He, he gives her yeah. the, the chance. Because that, that's something we, when you have a witness on the stand. It's one thing to have someone say something. It's the next. The follow-up question is, how do you know that? And that's, that's Vinny's thing that he does all the time, which is great. Like, what's your basis for saying that? That's all, you, know, you don't just take it at face value. Show me the... The money, so I can see it's not a twenty with you know just wrapped around a bunch of ones, right? Yeah, and, and then Vinny is, right. like is sitting at the table and he like smacks like Ralph Macchio and is like, "Watch this!" Yeah, and then yeah. she goes and does her like thing about yeah, the like, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So then she, uh, about about turning the thing. I don't even remember what she says. Right, uh, and so now it's Vinny's turn to question her, and she's he's yeah, I think he says. Request to uh, treat the witness as hostile. <laughs> if you think I'm hostile now, wait till you see me later. Right. <laughs> and he's like, "Do you know each other?" <laughs> the, the judge is like, "Do you guys know each other?" Yeah. Which, by the way, what that means is, if you say, "I'm going to treat the witness as hostile," it means that when you call a witness yourself, you're not supposed to ask them leading questions. But permission—if you get the permission—that means you can ask them 
leading questions, you know, blah, 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 okay. true. Anyway, that's, oh, what that, okay. that's what that means yeah. from a legal perspective. Okay. But it is obviously the word hostile yeah. uh, is always good. That's like a common joke in legal stuff. So, okay. uh, And then we get the big scene. He shows her the picture and she puts it all together. Yeah. And we get just that, again, that like the, uh, the return of that dialogue as they go back and forth about, you know, and why? Because they both know yeah. why the kid's car could not have made this tire mark. Are you sure? Positive. Positive. <laughs> the defense is wrong. Are you sure? I'm positive. How could you be so sure? Because there is no way that these tire marks were made by a 64 Buick Skylark. These marks were made by a 1963 Pontiac Tempest. Objection, Your Honor. Can we clarify to the court whether the witness is stating opinion or fact? This is your opinion? It's a fact. I find it hard to believe that this kind of information could be ascertained simply by looking at a picture. Would you like me to explain? I would love to hear this. So would I. The car that made these two equal length tire marks had positive traction. Can't make those marks without positive traction, which was not available on the 64 Buick Skylark. And why not? What is positive traction? It's a limited slip differential which distributes power equally to both the right and left tires. The 64 Skylark had a regular differential, which anyone who's been stuck in the mud in Alabama knows. You step on the gas, one tire spins, the other tire does nothing. That's right. Is that it? No, there's more. You see, when the left tire mark goes up on the curb and the right tire mark stays flat and even, well, the 64 Skylark had a solid rear axle. So when the left tire would go up on the curb, the right tire would tilt out and ride along its edge. But that didn't happen here. The tire mark stayed flat and even. This car had an independent rear suspension. Now... In the 60s, there were only two other cars made in America that had positive traction and independent rear suspension and enough power to make these marks. One was the Corvette, which could never be confused with the Buick Skylark. The other had the same body length, height, width, weight, wheelbase, and wheel track as the 64 Skylark, and that was the 1963 Pontiac Tempest. And because both cars were made by GM, were both cars available in metallic mint green paint? They were. Thank you, Ms. Vito. No more questions. Thank you very, very much. You've been a lovely, lovely witness. And so she lays it all out there that, you know, why this car couldn't make the mark and some other car that happened to also be to come in the same paint color could. And uh, yeah. I love your what you know, uh, watching Trotter confer with his expert Wilbur. They're like, "Is she right? Is she right?" And he's kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah." Yeah. And so, and yeah. then they call the. He has no. Yeah, he says, "I sheriff. have no questions for her." He doesn't even cross examine her on that point. Anything. He's, oh, he does. He, okay. he has the opportunity to like then recross uh, or, or cross examine Mona Lisa, and he doesn't. He. He has nothing because yeah. his expert says I got don't I have no questions to ask. Yeah. She, she's right, and then yeah, he, the the last like killer bit is they bring in the sheriff who during the break looked up and found that you know a few towns over these guys were arrested 
or something else driving this exact car. Yeah. With a gun in there. With a gun. Yeah. With a 351 the same Magnum gun. or what? Yeah. 357 Magnum, yeah. Yeah. And then he drops all charges. That Yeah, I, in my memory, the, the, they got a uh, defense verdict, but that's not the case. They they Trotter actually does the honorable thing and just drops the cases. It's not them. Which, uh, yeah. It's amazing. amazing. Yeah, it's a great win. Uh, and then we get the again very efficient ending. They they walk out. The judge gives him a big handshake, you know, not knowing he had the luminous Jerry Callow in his courtroom. Yeah, <laughs> and tells him he's welcome back anytime. We find out that at some point we don't know when Marissa Tomei made this phone call. I thought she was doing it right before the testimony. Except that's when she's being dragged in and against her will. But she's so. making a phone call. Oh, that's right. She's and he's, a phone but call. he slams it down. Remember, yeah. he grabs it from her. Yeah. He slams the phone down. And so who knows? Classic outfit that she's wearing. It's like this purple dress that's so obnoxious with, with like the rhinestones <laughs> yeah. like coming like diagonal. The in this movie is yes. fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. And then that's it. They hop in the car. They drive away, still bickering. But they should now. You know what this yeah. means? We gotta get married, or right. something like that. <laughs> you think I want to marry you? You can't even win a case on your own. Yeah, You're useless. <laughs> you like? Yeah, that's. that's uh, and that is my. You really do a good. Uh, <laughs> Thank yeah, you. That's my cousin. I've seen this. You do a good Marissa <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, the fact that you were that you are able to quote so much of this stuff verbatim, you know, says a lot about your your nostalgic love for it. Yeah, I do. I, um, you know, I think I think all of us have a movie that we can quote that way. One, yeah. At least at least one. Oh, yeah. Uh, this, oh, I would yeah. love to be able to see this movie again for the first time. It's just one of those movies where it's like, you don't. I love it every time I see it, but like you know, the jaw opening, like being open at the end of the movie when she's like winning everybody. You over. know what's going to happen? You, yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, not yeah. the same. I want to see it again for the first time. You'll have a shot at that when our kids are old enough to watch it. That's the closest. You'll yeah, get. watching them watch it. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, oh, that will be fun. Yeah. In fact, now that we've mentioned the kids, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the little video we made, our satire video. Yeah, of uh, where we had. Uh, our son Ben, quote unquote, on trial um, for making a shoe print in the bathtub. Yes, and uh, I'll put the audio of that in at the end so you can hear it. Um, Maybe we'll put it on your Instagram. Uh, yeah, I can put, the put it there Instagram. too. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, guys, we're here at the end. We've we've covered my cousin Vinny, top to bottom, and pretty much quoted the whole thing at you in half the time it takes to watch it. <laughs> what, are you gonna, what movie clips are you going to put on? We already did all of them yeah. for you. I know, I know. Exactly, right? Well, yeah, you'll still hear the real thing. We're also available for hire if you'd like uh... our, our, <laughs> yeah. our stage our reenactment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can come. We do bar mitzvahs. Yeah, for, so. for, look, look forward to Vinny the musical. Actually, <laughs> yes. I forgot to mention this. So, one other random fact about this is that at some point after the movie, Joe Pesci recorded an album. Called, it's like Vincent Gambini sings the blues, or so, it's some name like that. And like, he, there's a song on there called uh, like "Hey Cousin Vinny" or "Yo Cousin Vinny," and he sings as the character. That's amazing. Oh, I love it. That's <laughs> that is uh, amazing. I think we just found I the music it. for this podcast. It's not yes. a good song. Yes, <laughs> but <it's, laughs> you're kidding. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I can't imagine it uh, won any Grammys, but not so many. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, but so here we are at the end, guys. Uh, you know, obviously, all of us love this movie a bunch. Um, 
Amy, I'll ask you, why do you think that this movie ha- is endured? Like, why do people still love this? Why is it shown on TNT every day still? Because you love the characters. You just, I mean, you fall in love with Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei every time. Um, uh, I said it all before. It's just a great story. Fun, funny, funny movie. Yeah. The writing, everything. Yeah, it's great. It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, any other, like, final thoughts, Ryan? Um, I just, I, there's very few movies that hold the test, you know, hold up to the test of time. And after 25 or 30 years, you know, you still, when it comes on TNT, I don't switch it off. You know, I, I still, it's like, um, Sister Act is another one for me that I just love that movie. And mm. I think I've seen it a million times. I'll that and one, my cut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We can do that one too. I mean, I, I just. I, it's just one of those movies that has that has really aged well, and I just I just think it's great, and and I think Marissa Tomei was, and she, I don't she really didn't do very much after that, which I don't understand why, but they, I think she's kind of coming back now, but she's a great actress, and yeah, she came back back in a big bag way. She's uh, she was Aunt May in the last three Spider Man movies, uh, so so she got into the MCU. And well, that's uh, good. That's good. Yeah, but from, but from like from like ninety two on, she really didn't do very much. But anyway, that's why I love this movie, and it will always be very, very close in my heart. What was the movie with the Christian Slater and the Monkey Heart? <laughs> I remember that movie that she was in, and I loved it. I have no idea what you're talking about. He likes <laughs> really. He like saves her from being attacked, and they fall in love. And he like believes he has like a monkey heart. <laughs> he believes. <laughs> oh, that this. sounds. That I sounds like the winner. This is not another fan fiction of mine. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Untamed Heart, 1993. Okay. So it came out right after. Right. Another fabulous. Yeah. Movie. Okay. And about and three people saw it, and then I think it was not a major hit, but good for her that also she's, that she's Rosie back. Perez. Ooh. I love Rosie Perez. So just to give my final summation on uh, My Cousin Vinny, I think, you know, I, I love this when I was young. I, I still love it now that I'm, you know, I have experience practicing law. And there's very, there are a lot of great legal dramas. There are very few great legal comedies because, uh-huh. you know, they're usually it's all about like people being so buffoonish in a courtroom and that's the joke. And that's not what this is. The, you know, Vinny is not a buffoon. He makes some dumb no. mistakes up top, but generally he's extremely sharp. Everyone is sharp. And as we've said multiple times, everyone is acting in good faith in this movie. Yeah. And yeah. it, you know, it just, yeah, it, it shouldn't come across as heartwarming because it is sort of abrasive in the way all the characters act, but it, it's so good natured that you just sort of, you can't help but love this. I, I've yet to meet a person who doesn't like this movie. And I think, you know, it'll continue to run on TNT or whatever for <laughs> as long as that exists. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Um, I'm sure it will. So both of you, thank you so much for, for, Guesting on this episode, it was a lot of fun, and um, it yeah, was a great, I loved great it. pick. Uh, let me just do a little quick admin here. So if uh, if you like the show, uh, drop us a review on iTunes. 
Uh, you can tweet at us at, at NostalgiumPod or follow us on Instagram uh, where I post all the bonus reels and stuff. And uh, so if you have thoughts on this episode, our other recent episodes, we just did one on Chrono Trigger, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and uh, before that, Terminator 2. Uh, coming up in the batting order, assuming everything goes according to plan, is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, followed by Doom, and then Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, and also, not in the not-too-distant future, it looks like we're going to do one on um, uh, the Muppet Treasure Island. Also, uh, I've done some guest shots on other shows. Uh, so one that just came out, I was on a podcast called Fun and Games. So uh, they have a kind of a side podcast called Side Quest. So uh, go find that. And then uh, in the next month or two, I'll be on an episode of a show called Tales from the Backlog, talking about The Secret of Monkey Island with uh, Dave Jackson, who you might remember from our Pokemon episode. So uh, look for those as well if you need to hear more of me blathering on. So um, guys, I think that'll do it for this one. Um Thanks again. It was so good to have you here. Like you guys have such a good. I live here. Well, I, well, you it was live fun. Here. But just I just love I love your guys' chemistry. <laughs> We've only known each other since we were in kindergarten, so hopefully. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 very much so. All right, guys. Uh, so, uh, yes. Until thank next you for having us, Doug. As always. All right. Until next time. There's one more entry in the nostalgia arcade. Every time I get the urge to visit my hometown I'm sure that all my cousins will try to track me down My heart says go, my head says no, it's best to stay away But if I appear, I'm sure to hear all those jerk-offs say Hey Cousin Vinny, your Cousin Vinny Is there anything that you could do for me? Hey Cousin Vinny, your Cousin Vinny Hey, Ron, this is a photograph my fiance took in the shower of our downstairs bathroom. I'd like to submit this photograph as evidence. Did you take this photograph? You know I did. And what is it of? You know what it's of. Miss Amy, it has been argued by me, the defense, in this case... That this shoe print and nearby urine stain were the work of our six-year-old daughter, Celeste. Can you tell, by looking at this photograph, whether this case holds water? Miss Amy, can you please answer the question? Does the defense case hold water? The defense is wrong. Are you sure? Positive. How can you be so sure? Because there is no way this print could have been made by a six-year-old. This mark was made by a Stridebright Spider-Man sneaker, size 8. Is that your opinion? It's a fact. I can't believe this kind of information can be ascertained simply from looking at a photograph. Would you like me to explain? I would love to hear this. The shoe that made this mark had insole lighting and a hexagonal tread pattern. You can't make that mark without a hexagonal tread. 
which could never be confused for the square pattern available on a Carter's brand six-year-old girl's shoe. Is that it? No, there's more. When the foot landed, the marks here indicate considerable force. There's only one reason to use that much force when stepping here, and that's to activate the insole lights. And Celeste outgrew her light-up shoes four months ago. Thank you, Miss Amy. No more questions. You've been a lovely, lovely witness.